Welcome back to another episode of Murder Mondays with me, your host, Nicole. On June 5th, 1986, four-year-old Jessica Gutierrez climbed into bed with her six-year-old sister, Becky, to go to sleep. The next morning, Jessica was gone, and when her mother, Deborah, asked what happened, Becky explained that during the night, a man wearing a magic hat took her away. Deborah filed a missing persons report, but unfortunately, her nightmare had only just begun. Despite a fingerprint found at the scene, an alleged confession and suspicions across the board, the man many believed responsible for the crime had never been charged. Jessica was sleeping in a bedroom with her two sisters in her family's Lexington, South Carolina mobile home during the evening hours of June 5th, 1986. An unknown intruder entered into the house sometime between 11.30 p.m. that evening and 9 o'clock a.m. on June 6th, the following morning. The intruder apparently broke in through a living room window and removed the screen and curtains. The abductor then removed Jessica from the bedroom and left the residence through the front door, leaving the door open. Jessica's mother discovered the crime scene and her disappearance on the morning of June 6th. Jessica had never been heard from again. Just a few days before Jessica disappeared, her mother Deborah had broken up with her boyfriend and kicked him out of the house for alcohol use and what she described as possessive behavior. Deborah accused her ex of adopting Jessica, but he said he had no idea where she was. The man was questioned repetitively by police, but never charged. Jessica's father was ruled out as a suspect in the care as he had been living in California at the time of her abduction. The longtime suspect in Jessica's abduction is Thomas Eric McDowell, a friend of the family who was 27 in 1986 and had served time in North Carolina prison for rape. We are now going to pause for a brief word from our sponsors. Are you looking for an extremely fun and stylish up-to-date salon? Then the color bar is the place for you. Our slogan is too glam to give a damn. The color bar knows their colors and can slay anything. Located in Chapin, South Carolina, near the heart of Lake Murray, our stylists stay up to date on all styles, cuts, and colors. Call for your free consultation at 803-932-HAIR. That's 803-932-HAIR. We can't wait to meet you. Are you considering a move in 2022? Then this message is for you. Meet George Simmons from EXP Realty. He is the top agent on one of the top real estate teams serving Lake Murray and the surrounding counties here in South Carolina. After serving 20 years in the military and 10 years in law enforcement, George continues to serve the Lake Murray community by providing superior real estate representation. Call today for your free home valuation at 803-429-3337 or visit online at buyorsellakemurrayhomes.com. We look forward to serving you. So on the night of June 5th, 1986, can you tell me what happened? On the night of June the 5th of 1986, that day, we had been outside. They had been playing. I had been out there with them. 
We went inside. I got cleaned up. I told him outside, we're going to have BOTs tonight. And Jesse was the one procrastinate. And I don't want that. And I said, well, that's what we're having. So long story short, that's what we had. I cleaned up uh, the kitchen and all. And I told them to get their clothes for their bath. And that's when I would get my Windex. And a lot of people went, well, why in the hell did this woman, who does that? Well, a person with OCD and also a person that has had, and I'm going to tell you, my four kids, the little girl next door is five. My niece is six. The other two that came over with Missy, that's eight kids at some time out there eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches during the day. My son would not eat nothing but peanut butter and jelly sandwich, even if I offered bologna and cheese, ham and cheese. He was a peanut butter and jelly kid every day. I would even get sick of making them. Plus the freeze pops and the plastic tubes. Mm -hmm. That door and that window, which was the tattletale window, stayed sticky. And that's one thing that I did when they got their pajamas together is I started Windexing that door and Windexing that particular set of windows. They didn't touch the kitchen window. Number one, they couldn't reach that one. The other window had a stick in it because when you pull one open or you crank them up, they all open up at one time. They all close at one time. With the crank being broke, the stick was in there to prop them open because I wasn't using the air conditioner June the 5th. Well, I had to go out there and Windex that window. And, you know, OCD, when you're Windexing a window, you got your you got the Windex and you got paper towels. I also had paper towels to keep my own prints from being left on there. So that was the object, clean everything off the window. So that's what I did. And people are like, well, why did you do that? Well, that's why. You know, and it's the unknowing from people. But sometimes I think people ask some of the most stupidest questions. And then sometimes I think, well, I'm going to let you slide with that because it's not a stupid question. It's just you don't have no knowledge. of. It's like a window paper. It's like being on the outside looking in. You don't know what's going on in there. You're just looking, mm -hmm. you know. It's a window paper. I overlook it because I had went through so much trauma and verbal abuse back when she got gone that it just, man, it was like I was wanting to choke everybody out. But, yeah, I went and Windexed the inside and outside of that window, Windexed the storm door because it was glass, too. It was glass and screen. That particular time, you know, yeah, they had just glass uh, touched all up, too. And so that's when I did that. And anybody that wasn't there would not know that. My kids knew that. But anybody who didn't live there wouldn't know that. We did all that and got in there and they were watching TV. It was the last day of school for my two oldest girls. Their book sacks were full of paper. And I thought, nah, we'll handle that tomorrow. And so they wanted to stay up late. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to let them do it because maybe we'll sleep late in the morning. Anyway, we, I let them stay up, and they stayed up to 12. But prior to that, my son was saying his ear hurt. I put some sweet oil in his ear, and I put a cotton ball in his ear. And Jessie was wanting her fingernails painted. And I painted her fingernails, and I said, give me those old stinking toes. And she giggled, and she said, for real, Mommy, you're going to paint my toes, too? I said, yes, I'm going to paint your toes, too. 
So they watch TV and they sit up in there a while. And like I said, my son wasn't running a fever, but he was laying over. You could tell his ear hurt. And so we got ready for bed and Jesse was wanting to get in the bed with us. And I said, oh no, uh-uh. Because those two were best buddies. Wherever you see one, the other one was right there too. So whatever one got into, best believe Bubba was right there with her. So I said, no, you're going to sleep in your bed tonight. And I said, and his ear gets better maybe when he ain't got, he ain't sick. Yeah, because they would horse play. So anyway, the next thing I know, she got in there and she was arguing with Becky because she wanted to sleep on the fan. They had a table fan that was on the nightstand. It was osculate, but of course, you know, I had it turning because Kim's in the room too, but they in a double bed my daughter's on the other side in her twin bed because she is crippled she walks with crutches granted she did not walk until she was five the shriners hospital operated on her but anyway she walked with long leg braces and a walker and later she adapted to crutches and that's what she used to this day anyway i asked becky please let her sleep by the fan which was the edge of the bed and then tomorrow night, I told Jesse, y'all going back to your regular schedule of where you sleep. And she's like, okay. And I guess she just did that because she wasn't getting to sleep in the bed that night with me and Bubba. That's the way it ended. And that night, told them all, lights out in the barnyard. That is my affection to them and hugging and kissing goodnight. That was my, I love y'all, goodnight, you know, and all this here stuff. Well, prior to getting into my room, I went ahead and cut the lamp off in the living room and as i was going to the kitchen to cut the light off that was over the sink i looked out and you know it took me years to figure was this just something i thought or it really did happen no it really did happen and i still do ptsd really bad plus at one time i didn't even think that stuff it was real but i go to cut the light out and i'm looking through the window there and what got my attention and i look was I could see somebody taking a drag in the dark on a cigarette because it illuminated, you know, just the fire. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what? And I went ahead and slammed the light out, and then I pressed my face up near the screen, and I didn't see anything. And so then I turned, and I jumped on the countertop of the sink, and I'm looking out the window because, see, in this mobile home, the screens are on the inside. They're not on the outside. And I sit there, I sit there 15, 17 minutes. I sit there a long minute, you hear me, waiting on something to move, waiting to hear my dog bark, anything, and nothing moved. And you talk yourself out of it. And I'll never do that again. I've never talked myself out of any good instinct again, never. If I think it, I'm going to inspect it. Mm -hmm. But I sat there long enough to talk myself out of it. Maybe I just thought I saw that. And then, of course, I had told the boyfriend on June the 1st not to ever come back by my house again. I was so sick of that. And then I said, you're drunk and you don't know it. And you're all smoked up, but I'm going to remind you of it. So on Monday, June the 2nd, I reminded him of it, and I'm in it. And when I say something, and to this day, I mean it, and there is no in-between there. I went on to bed. I got the Robitussin. And I just turned it up and took me a big swig out the bottle. I didn't even go back to the kitchen for a spoon because we had went swimming on Sunday, which was June the 1st. 
and we had went swimming and I was getting a call from it and like running stuffy nose. So I just took a swig of Robitussin and I laid down and I could see into the hallway, the part of the kitchen, the living room and onto their room. And my last thought that night, I said, God, that room is unusually bright tonight. But I had a nightlight outside that was on a pole, like a street light. They had a nightlight in their room, which was on that night with the fan. And I thought the room just was glowing, just wasn't unusually bright. And that was my last thought. And the next morning, the clock goes off. I turn it off. And it wasn't a few minutes after that, my daughter, Rebecca, is saying, Mama, and I'm like, what? And she's like, can we pick some cereal? And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. And that was my thought in my mind. And I said, you have got to be kidding me. And I turned over and I looked at the clock. And I was like, it's just 8 o'clock. It seemed like I had just turned the, the clock off at 6.30, you know, like, boom. Now she's there. And I'm like, they had never fixed their own cereal. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I'm going to get up. I got up, and my son was still in the bed asleep. And I got up. It's not a real long hallway. We're talking about a small two-bedroom, one-and-a-half bath mobile home. I remember walking down the little hallway and got there to the kitchen. All of a sudden, I said, what in the hell is going on in here? And I look, and I'm like, geez, the curtains are all torn down. The screen, like I told you, which was on the inside of the window, that's all torn down. It just crap all over the floor. I'm going, what is happening here? The doors are wide open. And then I'm like, who let the dog in the house? I'm asking these questions to my two daughters on the floor because I tell you the one that's crippled, she was laid out in the floor. You know, mm -hmm. she wasn't sitting up. She's actually laying down. They're playing with papers left over from their school. And just a mess of papers everywhere, too. But everything's just torn up. And I'm spinning. I feel like I'm in a spinning whirlwind. And all I can do is spit out one question behind another. And I realize that my daughter is answering everything that I'm asking and I'm like, what in the hell is happening here? Where is your sister? You know, and that's when she said, Mama, the man with the beard and the magic hat and the mustache took her last night. And I'm like, what? And I go barreling through all them and the mess on the floor. And I'm calling her name. I'm screaming. My son has done gotten up by this point. And he's come down the hall and he's following him behind me. I'm pulling off covers, I'm looking in the closet, I'm looking at the toy box, I'm looking in the bathroom, you know, and you're like, this is only so big, and I'm looking at where I'm screaming and hollering for. Then I go back in there, and I'm like, get this shit up, clean every bit of this shit up, and then I go to my daughter, pick her up from the floor, and I'm, I have her by the shoulders, and I'm shaking her. And I'm like, where is your sister? What do you mean the man with the beard, the mustache, and the magic hat took her? What kind of crazy shit is that? And, you know, that's just what I'm telling her. And then she starts crying. I don't know, Mom. I was so scared. Why, why didn't you call me? I was so scared. He was looking at us. and I, I don't know, Mama. I don't know. And 
I was just like, it was just unbelievable. Not only what she said, but the shit that was coming out of her mouth. You're like, what kind of damn person, what body would come in here with a damn top hat on? Because she plainly said magic hat. And I'm thinking about a top hat to pull a rabbit out of yeah. uh, one of these magicians. Mm-hmm. And it was just the craziest shit I had ever heard. And I was just I just lost it. I mean, I just literally went crazy. And I'm like, get this shit up now. Y'all fix everything. Shut these doors. Get that dog out of here. And I remember running outside, and I had on a white gown. I'll never forget that because I was just filthy. I crawled under that mobile home. My son is just following me. And he's a year older than Jesse. He's five. So he's just following me wherever I'm going. I'm going in the woods. I'm looking everywhere. I've done looked and looked and looked. No, nothing, nothing. And then all I could think about, I kept hearing the man with the beard, the mustache, and the magic hat. The man with the beard, mustache, and magic hat. And I am so frustrated at this point. I am just crazy, crazy. And I go in there again. There's nowhere else to look. And she's crying, and then I'm like, your sister's gone, and you're over here picking up slowly at that. They're slowly picking up these papers. And I'm like, put that shit in the trash. And so I go back to her because she's crying, and I pick her up again from the floor, and I have her by the shoulders, and I'm demanding that she tell me who took her sister, where did they go, who was it, I just have all these questions. She freezes up on me and she's like, I don't know, Mama. I don't know. I couldn't see, Mama. I can't, and I guess she was trying to say she couldn't see who it was, but she could describe him. I don't know what she was telling me because then she said, maybe it was a black man. I don't know. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know? Why didn't you come and get me? And she's like, Mama, he was looking at us and she's like, I just covered my head up and I thought it was a bad dream when he walked out the room with her. She covered her head up and sometime during the night she fell asleep. Nothing she said made any sense and I wasn't accepting it. I wasn't having it and I damn sure didn't understand it. Don't ask me how many times. I mean, people have asked me how many times do you think? Who the hell knows? When you've lost your damn mind, who knows? I grabbed her up, and the whole time I'm asking all these questions, I'm shaking her by the shoulder. She's crying. It's taken me, it seems like, forever to get answers out of her. And all of a sudden, I just started marching with her and slammed her into the wall. And then I just pull her back, slam her again, pull her back, slam her again, pull her back, slam her again, because I'm trying to beat the answers that I want to hear, which is going to help me go find my daughter come out of her mouth and what I need to hear is not coming out of her mouth and it's totally unacceptable. Nothing she says is making any damn sense and now she's saying, I don't know, I didn't see anybody, it was dark, could have been somebody black, I don't know, I couldn't see anything. So now she is saying, she she don't know, but what it is, I do believe that I had frightened her so bad because she knew that everything that was coming out of her mouth, I wasn't accepting none of it. So as opposed to giving me what she gave me to start with and I wouldn't accept it, she just decided she was like, I don't know shit, you know, pretty much. I don't know nothing. She didn't know. Mm. When I let her go, I just remember she dropped to the floor 
And I'm crying too. I mean, I'm crying, I'm screaming, I'm yelling. I don't recall my oldest daughter in the floor crying because she was trying to quickly pick up the papers. And like I tell you, she can't sit up like most people say, like when a kid starts sitting up, she's never been able to really actually sit Indian style like that. She's just grabbing papers. And each one she's grabbing, I notice when I'm like, put that shit in the trash. She had what one she was trying to grab and she was putting them under her. I guess it was to hide them because she couldn't get up and take them to the trash. And I thought about that later. I was like, that's not me. That was not me. Well, my daughter just said, because she's listening to me, she said, I thought you were going to kill her that day. That's not me. That's me somewhere trapped in a whirlwind demanding answers that I'm not getting. Right. And then I'm getting, I'm getting answers that, number one, she told me the truth to start with. That is not what I wanted to damn hear, and I wasn't going to accept it. And I'm like thinking, you know, my dad, I'm just going to keep doing this shit until I get satisfied. And I wasn't getting satisfied with nothing she was telling me. And, and I am responsible for everything that I did that day. But did I know what I was doing? Sure I did. Was I thinking about any of it? No, I was thinking about I needed to find her sister. And I really needed her to tell me who the hell took her out of here. But I'm not getting any of that. Because everything's just going, I don't know. Somebody here recently, I heard him say, well, it was like slow motion. Not for me. It wasn't, and I know everybody's different. Everybody handles shit different. But for me, it was just like I was in a whirlwind. Everything was just going whoop, whoop, whoop. And it fast, fast. It's fast. It's really fast. Yeah. And you're not even thinking it because number one, you don't care. My daughter just said I nonstop was slamming her into the wall, but I don't know. Even the cops, how many times do you think? Look, I don't know. I don't know because I was demanding something that she was not giving me and she couldn't give me because she didn't know who the hell he was. Yeah. But I didn't understand that part. You gave me a description. I don't know who she's damn describing, much less a magic cat, which is the most... To hear something like that, I explained to this lady, that's why she decided it was dark. I couldn't see, And then she just started lying. I, I couldn't see. It was dark. Could have been a black person. Couldn't see anything. You know, she just wanted me to stop. Did I know I'd probably done pounced during the wall 10 or 12 times? No. Was I counting? No. Did I think I was Trump going to kill her? No. I was just demanding something from her that she was not giving me. She had done gave me the only information she had, and I wasn't accepting it. Here we go. I remember that eight-year-old that said, I'm not taking this shit anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm going to reverse this role on you. I found that out later in life. I didn't know it that day because that's the furthest thought from your mind is to compare any situation with something like that. But as years have passed by, because it ended up that we didn't know. And she said she felt this. And, and I know she would have had to. I didn't hate my daughter. I just resented my daughter. And that shit lasted a year and a half. And I would even cry about it. I'd pray about it. This is what really sucks. Because when you're the only freaking suspect that they're looking at, 
there's no time for crying and shit. Excuse my language, but they don't give a fuck about that. Mm -hmm. I've got anywhere from 15 to 17 damn detectives or law enforcement people yelling at me, and I haven't slept in I don't know how many days, and they're yelling at me and telling me I killed my daughter and where in the hell did I bury her at and shit like that. And before you can answer one of them, you got another one saying... Uh, you know you killed her. We know you. We we know you killed her. Where that? Just tell us where the hell she's at. And all of a sudden, you like trying to say no, 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 no. Why would I do that? My first daughter didn't even walk till she was five. Damn. If most people didn't like kids or had a problem with kids, you would think after you've had that first one that was disabled, you'd be shy of having any kids. And I'm like, no, no, you got this all wrong. But all of a sudden, it was just so much. And then I found myself in front of the sheriff, all these people, all these detectives. And I'm in the whirlwind again. And I'm just going around and around and around and around and around. And now I'm being badgered. Nobody's put their hands on me. But all of a sudden, I don't see faces no more. I see dogs. And they vicious damn dogs. They are badass-looking dogs. All you can see is that teeth and that growling and all that shit. And I'll never forget, I'm like looking at the sheriff and I'm thinking, you bulldog-faced bastard. And that's all I seen when I looked at his face. He was a big, fat, one of those short bulldogs that's got the big-ass damn face and jaws and the teeth sticking up there. And I was like, what the hell? And I remember getting out. I was in center front. They were all in front of me. I was on display. Like I said, I had not slept, and I don't know how many days, so I get up. And when I went to get up, it was one of those folded metal chairs, and the thing clicked. And when it clicked, it shut. And I remember reaching behind my back and slinging it. And when I did, it hit center of that sheriff's desk in the middle of that damn room, and I said, in a good damn place for it. And I said, I don't know who the fuck brought me up here, but I'm ready to go home. And I mean, this shit went on for three and a half months and I was literally crazy. And then I had people still staying with me. So when I got home, I'm like, when can I cry? You know, when can I be by myself? When can I cry? So I go to the bathroom, lock myself in there and I realized that the clothes that she had on that Thursday and stuff from the yard, all the dirty clothes were in the basket. And I just picked them out of the basket and put them up in my face and just sobbed in them. But I was trying to smother myself. I didn't want anybody to see me cry. Yeah. And I remember having that same feeling when I stood in front of the judge that Friday when he went up to see if he was going to get bonded out or not. There was no fucking way in hell I was going to let him see me or hear me cry. No way. Because I have cried oceans and oceans of tears while other people that caused all this have been free. And they don't have a conscience, so they've had a damn good life. They've had a damn good life. It's been 36 years and arrest June was... It's going to be 36 years. June will be 36 years, okay. An arrest was finally made on a Thomas Eric McDowell. Right. 
How do you feel about that? He should have been off the street a long time ago. I'm not going to feel good that I get every damn one of them because he's not the only one. You don't think so? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. He did not act alone, let's put it that way. And I'm going to get him if it's the last damn thing I do. Jessica's sister Rebecca, now an adult, remembers seeing a man lift Jessica out of the bed and carry her away. She stated that the man was able to do this without waking Jessica. Rebecca had been too frightened by what she had seen to tell anyone until the next morning. An arrest has been made 36 years later. 61-year-old Thomas Eric McDowell was arrested on January 13, 2022 and is currently being held in Lexington, South Carolina. He is being charged with murder, kidnapping, burglary first degree, and failure to register as a sex offender. He has not yet been sentenced. Deborah still believes her ex is somehow involved in the case. The ex-boyfriend and McDowell denied knowing each other, but Deborah says they met at a gathering several months before Jessica disappeared. Jessica's remains have never been found, but foul play is suspected in her case due to the circumstances involved.